another area where there's going to be some personnel jumbling is on the blue line. And that's because one of the biggest storylines other than the comfort behind win over Florida, but from that, from that game is, is Charlie McAvoy likely facing supplemental discipline. And I mean, pretty tough, pretty tough hit. I don't know. What, I don't know what, what, what Charlie was thinking there. It was textbook, you know, interference and headshot. It was just, you know, it's not, it wasn't a good hit. I'm literally yeah. like refreshing to make sure that what always happens to us doesn't happen to us. Like five minutes after we get done recording, it's like McAvoy suspended for two games. Like I keep refreshing because I'm like, please come. If the news no. comes down, then I want it Bridget. to be during the pod so I can like find it and say it. But nope, don't even bother. We're we're gonna finish recording around six p.m. Tuesday, and it is gonna be announced at six fifteen. So you, you don't have, you don't have to refresh time. Twitter. You don't. You don't have to worry about it. It's happening between the end of recording and when it posts. Absolutely it is. There's been a time that the time that Cassie got fired, we had to re-record an entire episode like 20 minutes after. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. Um, but I think that either way, our point will stand that it was worth a suspension. So whether or not he gets suspended or not, I think our opinion is that it easily uh, would fit the bill for a hit to the head that's worth supplemental discipline and he's not like a repeat offender so i don't know what your thoughts are on time frame i thought well, maybe i mean he do- does have history he does have one suspension and it was for a hit to the head so yeah. um that was the the columbus series back in 2019 yeah um, it's been a while though i think that they i think they kind of reset things uh depending on how often and, and how far back behind no, so that's only for the the amount that he can be fined. The any suspension or fine stays on your record forever. So that the the repeat offender thing is just about the amount of money you get fined. So really, um, that's yeah, actually that, that's good that you point that out because that's actually I thought that it applied to both. Nope that that suspension against Columbus will be taken into account. I can pretty much guarantee it. Um, so, so yeah, does that I mean, mean if, you think it's going to be more than two? Yeah, all day I've been thinking three or four. Um, you know, I mean, that there's been two recently. Connor Clifton, old friend, got suspended two games, and then Rasmus Anderson and Calgary got four, and they were both, you know, they both kind of like clear hits to the head. Anderson's look did look more vicious and had more elbow directly to the head. So I think that's why that was the longer of the, of those two. I've kind of thought McAvoy maybe splits the difference, but his was also much later than both of those. Both of those were on guys who like just got rid of the puck. Mac, you know, McAvoy's like Eggman Larson had gotten rid of the puck well before McAvoy got there. Like it was, it was quite late. So that won't help him. So um, yeah, obviously, you know. I probably don't need to get too much into the amount because as, as I said, it's going to come out as soon as we're done recording and we're going to know the amount. Um, but yeah, you know, the, so now it becomes, you know, it's obviously the double whammy because Grizzly is going to miss a couple of weeks according to Montgomery. So you're now down. What was your top pairing? Um, you know, they finish out the game with Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Shattenkirk, they were not carrying any extra defensemen, so they do have call-ups to make, and those will probably become official either 
Tuesday night or, or certainly Wednesday before they hit the ice for practice at 11 a.m. Um, my friend, friend of the pod, Mark Allred from uh, Black and Gold tweeted and Mark Diver, another friend of the pod has now kind of confirmed this, that Mason Laura, Ian Mitchell and Parker Wotherspoon did not travel with the Providence Bruins on their road trip. So that certainly leads you to believe those are the three, you know, at least two of them, possibly all three who are coming up. So I would anticipate, you know, expecting Grizzlick and McAvoy to be out of the lineup. Laura and Mitchell probably go in. We've obviously already seen Mitchell for a couple games this season. Laura had a great preseason, great training camp, lasted all the way to the final cut. So, you know, if he's getting called up, he's obviously playing. He's not the seventh defenseman. Um, so I'm curious, you know, what you guys think as far as where, where you put those guys, because I look at it and I say, Lorai in preseason and in camp was usually with either Carlo or McAvoy. So I'm going to put him with Carlo because he's played with him a little bit. Lindholm and Shattenkirk have played together a little bit this season and um, I've had encouraging results. Actually, they've played, uh, I think, 24 minutes together and shot attempts of 38 to 19 in favor of the Bruins when they've been on the ice. So, um, you know, they might have played together a little bit in Anaheim too. So I would put those two together, and then I guess that leaves you Forbert Mitchell as probably your third pair. Yeah, I would I would agree with those decisions, Scott. And for me, this whole situation just it sucks, right? Like McAvoy's out, Grizzlick's out. Those are two good defensemen for you, obviously. And you have Toronto coming into town on Thursday. But you know, the way I the way I see it is that it's opportunity. You can look at it and be like, oh, the Bruins are gonna play Toronto without a couple of their key, you know, top defensemen, certainly one of their top players in general, top players in the league in McAvoy, but again. Here's opportunity knocking for Mason Lorai to come in and show what he can do, uh, and and I also think it's opportunity for for Hampus Lindholm. Like I've I've said many times uh, in the first month, I I haven't loved his start. Um, there are some analytics that will probably prove me wrong in that sense, but I I look at some key numbers and just the eye test, and I don't think Lindholm has played up to snuff for what he can do. And okay, so McAvoy's out now. You got to be that guy again, just like he was last year to start the season, and he was that guy. Is that what it takes to get him going? Maybe you turn the count the, the the page on a, a new month. Maybe that gets him going too. But um, I see opportunity for Lori. I see opportunity for for Hampus Lindholm to 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 play big roles um, in what I would say would be the next three or four games that leaves without McAvoy. And look, if if Grizzlick's out for multiple weeks and Lori steps in and plays really well, you know this could be that natural time where it's like if Lori's playing well and Grizzlick's healthy to come back in the lineup does he automatically kick Laurie back down to Providence just because Grizzlick's Grizzlick? I don't think that should be how it works. So if I'm Mason Laurie and I'm Hampus home, I see a big opportunity in front of me right now. I, I'm just like with Scott, like when, and first of all, usually when we ask post game about a player's health, like update, we get like, we don't know yet. We're getting it looked at with Grizzlick. He definitively said, it's looking like multiple weeks and that's I I find that concerning just because a lot of the times they are not willing to put a timeline on it right away um and the fact that he said it's looking like a couple weeks makes me think that 
maybe it gets, you know, it, it could it could be longer. Is what I what I kind of just got the feeling of. There's no, you know, there's no reporting on exactly if he's going to end up on IR or, or what's going on with him at this point. But my original thought uh, was that first call up would be Lori, and that Lori Carlo would be the the obvious um, first place to start as a pairing for you know rotating assuming McAvoy is also out and then if you bring in Ian Mitchell you kind of just have to slot him in where it makes sense and I do think it makes more sense next to Forbert so I I think Scott kind of nailed those pairings and what they might look like I don't really honestly we saw him a little bit in preseason but where the spoon I don't I don't know what the idea would be there but if you're holding all three of them out that means you're thinking that you're going to need at least two of them probably because otherwise, you know, you probably only hold two back from their traveling. So uh, I, I'd be excited to see L'Oreal. So if he plays well, then that puts pressure on Forbert probably um, and and kind of jumps him ahead of Ian Mitchell, whereas we know Ian Mitchell started out with the Bruins but already has been waived. So uh, it, it creates a different dynamic on on defense there. Notable to mention, and maybe he's injured, maybe he's just been playing not great, but Zaboro not getting called up is, I mean, is there anything going on there? Is he just like, he's not playing well and he's getting jumped in line by players. Yeah. I, I don't know that he's off to the, to the best on Providence, but part of it also might be that he has the biggest cap hit out of all of these guys. And that could be a factor, especially if they want to call it three guys, which they probably maybe not necessarily for Thursday, but they probably want to for the road trip. Cause usually you like having at least one extra forward and one extra defenseman with you. That way, you know, if something happens, you don't have to worry about flying someone out on short notice and all that stuff. Um, if they're going to call about three, it probably requires Grizzly going in long-term IR um, because Mac- McAvoy's cap hit stays on the books even while he's suspended. So, you know, that doesn't, you still have to work around that. So, um, that could be a factor here is just that Zaboro has a little bit higher of a cap hit and those other guys are all under a million dollars. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, certainly, you know, McAvoy did not, did not do his team any favors and put them in put them in a really tough situation in the game, obviously a you know, tie game in the third period and you just hand Florida a five minute power play. And, you know, we haven't really brought it up yet, but incredible job by Lena Solomark and the four defensemen who were left to kit, you know, to lead the way killing that. And obviously a, a rotation of forwards um, doing their part as well. But now, you know, you also put your team in a situation for a couple games, a few games moving forward um, and some tough matchups, you know, your, your Thursday's your first matchup against Toronto, which looks like the team that's probably going to be your biggest challenger when it comes to, you know, potentially winning the division, getting the top seed there. Then you go on the road to Detroit again, off to get, you just saw them last weekend. They're off to a good start. And then at Dallas, who looks like one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, if McAvoy's missing, potentially all three of those games like that's you know it's not not that there's ever a great time for 
one of the five best defensemen in the league to get suspended. But this is a, you know, especially not not a very good stretch for, for it to happen. Yeah, and he had just scored like an incredible goal right before that. And then all of a sudden you see him finishing this check that was, you know, it was pretty unnecessary. Um, and getting ejected and putting the team in a really bad situation with only, I believe when he took it, it there was like eight or so minutes left or maybe been, maybe 10 minutes left. Anyway, it was in the third period um, and you already down Grizzly at that point. So you're making your remaining defenseman, fellow defenseman, kill off a five minute major and try to hold on. Cause at that point the game was tied at two and they do it. Like that was a prime time for Florida to be able to, to score and, and take the lead. And then, you know, game probably doesn't go to overtime or, you know, and Pavel Zaka doesn't have a chance to score the, the overtime game winner. So it was such a tough position to be in. Um, and I, I wanted to make this point before I had written it in my notes, even before McAvoy got uh, ejected and, um, I just thought Brandon Carlo had probably his best game of the year. Uh, I thought he was in passing lanes and shooting lanes. He was reading everything very well. And he even made a save. <laughs> um, he pulled a puck off the goal line and, and cleared it. He was great on the penalty kill. I think that he deserves a lot of credit and how they didn't break on defense with the adversity they were facing. Yeah. And he was, he, he saw a lot of that Kachuk line and, that's obviously a tough matchup that, again, in the first period, you know, Florida won all the matchups. But, yeah, as the game went on, Montgomery stuck with Carlo getting a lot of those shifts. Obviously, they had to keep rotating defensemen, so it wasn't as strict of a matchup game. But, um, yeah, you know, he held up well, and I thought he, he played physical at times. You saw him mix, mixing it up a few times. Um one thing I've seen more of from Carlo this season that I really like is him throwing reverse hits when four checkers are, are on his back. And like, I remember, I feel like it was like a couple of years ago, Bruce Cassidy said he wanted to see Carlo doing more of that. And it like never really seemed to happen or it happened for a couple of games and then disappear. And I feel like I've been seeing that more pretty consistently this season and I think that'd be a really good sign if that sticks around and becomes a regular part of his game, because, you know, we've talked like some of the injuries he suffered over the year. It's like, we talk about how, yeah, some of them are freak hits that you can't really plan for or, or blame anyone for. But at the same time, it's like, can you, can you be a little more prepared for contact? And this year I feel like so far he, he has not, not just been prepared to take hits, but like, actively you know initiating contact and and bumping that forward off before he gets there 